Sensei Emma Bowers, and joining me today is another leftist weeb and one of my personal favorites, the co-host of Shin Anime Pulp, Gwen. Hi, I'm Gwen. Nice to meet you. Hi, Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome, Gwen. Thank you so much for joining me. So I get to I get to do a little rundown and questions here because it's it's been kind of a mix. I have people who watched Akira once in college when they were stoned and never looked back, then they still came on and did this. I don't know why. I've gotten a couple hardcore weebs on the show. And uh, now I have you, so my question is, um, you get this is this is the point where you get to talk and you get to tell me your exciting um, origin story. What what got you into anime? Uh, I first got into anime when I was a teenager. I would hang out with my friend Mark, and he would have uh, tapes and sometimes DVDs of fan subs that he would show me. Um, I watched. I would hang out with Mark this, like every week for about six or eight years. So I saw. A lot of stuff with him and then at some point I realized that you can just watch anime on the internet for free and then I then later on I realized you could watch anime on the internet for a nominal subscription um, yeah so I, I got in on stuff like films like things like Wings of Onayamis and Akira but eventually got really into I remember watching Gurren Lagann like shortly after that came out that was a big influencer in me but yeah very cool. So much like a lot of the other people I've had on, you also host a podcast. It's it's not a bias. It's just I tend to know podcast people, and also podcast people are comfortable talking, and they're good at talking and stretching the conversation on for an hour. So they tend to kind of be ideal choices to have on. Um, and um, when I'm learning doing this, this is going to be my 11th episode. I'll have one after this, and then I'll try to figure out what I want to do with this. And, and what I am learning is podcasting is very hard. Um, so what made you decide to do it? Um, so I was, uh, I was friends with a guy who did a podcast for a couple years, probably like three or four years. And I, I ended up like I wrote show notes for him. I was a big fan of his. And then uh, his co-host left, and I just kind of jumped on and started doing it. And, you know, through through podcasts, I ended up networking with some people who were also doing stuff related to, like, anime, whatever. And eventually, um, that podcast that I'd been associated with kind of went under, and I wanted to start my own thing. And really, in doing an anime podcast, it's a good excuse or a good reason to motivate myself to actually watch things. Uh, I know for a lot of people, anime podcasts tend to kind of kill their desire to watch stuff because it turns it into work. But for me, it's completely the other way around. Interesting. Yeah. And um, one of the big things, like I said, uh, when I started this, I hit up a bunch of people I was on friendly terms with who I knew were not like complete against the idea of watching anime. And I was like, you gotta watch some anime. And everyone was completely down. Um, and a lot of times when I talk to people, you know, because these are always my go-to questions. I'm like, why, why'd you do it? And a lot of them are like, well, I kind of meant to. And then you said I could be on your podcast. And, you know, you got more than five <laughs> followers. So I'll get famous. So I'll watch it. <laughs> I watch anime for clout exclusively. 
I know. I, I feel that way. You know what I feel like? I feel like One Piece is like clout anime at this point. Mm-hmm. Do you do you get that feeling? Yeah. One Piece is the, the thing that you watch so you can, at the bare minimum, post manga screen caps on Twitter. Uh, or you're making video essays about Fishman Island. No, it's true. And I, oh my God, I, I, I like, I'll be mean. I'll be like a total dick and I'll be like, I, I want, I made this, I made a tweet on the tweet on this. I was like, I want to be one of those people and I'll post like, you know, pictures of like a manga and I'll be like, you can tell this scene is sad because Naruto's frowning. <laughs> but then a week ago I got too drunk and I was like, you know what? I never caught up with Berserk in manga form and I'm not touching the 2016 anime of like a 10 foot pole so now i'm doing that i'm like well this seems really graphic but like guts looks kind of sad so um i I think i think the manga artist has a lot of nuance you know within Mm. this (laughs) yeah i think when guts uh like screams and he chops a bunch of people in half that he's kind of angry i i think so and i think the monsters are really scary and um i like that uh mirror is conveying the monsters are scary by having them um you know sexually assault people um, this is good storytelling because yeah. without that, I wouldn't have trusted that monster was a bad dude, you know? Oh man. I haven't been caught up on Berserk in like three years. So I think I'm like three chapters behind. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Like I said, I thought about it cause I was like, I feel like I read some of the manga and I, I know the, the whole arc, you know, with, with guts before things get really, really bad. But I was like, I feel like I just have to start from the beginning, you know, just, mm-hmm. So yeah, so now I am on the the Berserk train, and I would I would do a podcast on it, but I'm like other other better funnier people have done that, so we shall see. But um, back onto my own thing, I'm making everyone um, experience now for this. Um, I, you're right. I feel bad because um, were you watching Golden Kamui or reading it before I asked you to come on, or did you hop on because I was like, yo. I had I had meant to from every manga panel that I'd seen on Twitter. It's usually the one where Sugimoto has like a bayonet through his mouth. Um, yes. I had just been like, oh, I need to read this. The art is so high quality and it'll probably kickstart me into actually reading more manga in general because I'm so bad about that. Uh, and the anime started up and there were like animation issues. So yes. I was like, well, maybe I'll put it off. But uh uh, no, you kind of gave me the shot in the arm that I needed to finally get into the Golden Kamui, and I, I love it. It's so good. It's great, and what's made me really happy is um, for people who hadn't watched it, and I was like, come on, and I was like, what do you think? And no one's been mad or angry. No one's had an existential crisis about it. People have been like, this is really good, and that makes me super happy. I'm like, yay. Not only am I a content influencer, I might actually have some good taste. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, when I, when when I was gonna do this show, I started up with episode one of the anime, and I saw the the fire and the bear, and I was like, oh my, I I'm still gonna watch this because I you know the podcast is about the anime, and I don't want to be out of order or anything, but I feel like I would get a better experience from this if I actually started reading it, and that was I think the right decision because it goes so well as a manga oh it's it's beautiful and i agree like it's just so wonderfully illustrated and i mean if you don't if you don't have the means to easily access manga like the anime i think definitely does improve and it definitely finds its footing after a couple of episodes but there's something beautiful about the manga and i kind of agree like it's sort of for a very long time i was like well you know um 
alcohol is expensive and it's an anime version so why would I read a manga that I have to like pay money for usually and um yeah. Golden Kamui kind of broke me of that. I, you know, I won't get into details, but I will say this. I do legally purchase the published ones from Viz. You know, what I'm doing before those come out, I will not say here. But, you know, um, but I do purchase them. And it did kind of become a gateway drug because now I'm like, I'm really into like, you know, purchasing and checking out like more manga. And I hadn't done that. I went back into like reading like um, the JoJo's that... Oh, I'm a terrible JoJo's fan, which is which is awful. I actually like um, I read them out of order, like sporadically, which is funny because I actually record oh, these no. podcast episodes out of order too. So I think it's just in my nature. <laughs> um, that and like I said, and now I am legally uh, reading Berserk manga, and it's it's been fun, and it's um, which is good because I get really scatterbrained. I suck at watching things now, like on television. I'm looking down. I'm on my phone. I'm twitching all over the place. And manga is great because if I do feel distracted, I can just stop, you know, and do whatever I'm doing, fidgeting this. But I don't know. For some reason, like, reading keeps me honest, if that makes sense. Yeah. That was, for so long, it was like I used to watch dubbed anime, and sometimes the dubs would be pretty bad. But I could, like, play a video game and have something to do with my hands and not be, like, switching between two screens to read the subtitles. I essentially consumed a lot of manga as a podcast. Um, regarding Golden Kamui, I've, I've been reading it in uh, the Tankoban, the manga volumes, and I, it, I kind of wish I had the opportunity to read through this in like a weekly jump or something, or a monthly jump or whatever, because when you read a volume, it's uh, so easy for all the chapters to kind of flow together. And you look at it as more of like one unit is one volume. But each individual chapter of Golden Kamui has this perfect pacing to it. It's the perfect length. They're all like 17 pages. And they there is always that one highlight moment. Like the one that I always think about is when Sugimoto is tied to that chair. And he just does a front flip in yes. it. And smashes out of it. That It's so... And it's just... It's a whole page. And it is so impactful for being a manga panel where nothing is actually happening except except a man upside down in a chair suddenly. Um, and I I like Golden Kamui I think because overall obviously it's an overarching plot you know and there there are characters and they're moving towards their goals. But I feel like unlike a lot of other kind of I'm shown in even cinema manga it doesn't really get stuck in that well this chapter was just a ca two characters fighting and one kind of countered the other one you know and next week the conclusion each chapter is kind of written like a little short story that does progress the plot forward but they all still kind of feel like they have a beginning middle and an end and that's one of the things that i it's so impressive this art the the mangaka clearly knows so much about like ainu culture i have to assume that he's not just making this stuff up but not only does he he, he has, has he, so he much does, he has a, he does a lot of research and that's been yeah. like declared and yeah there's so much like i mean calling it trivia sounds reductive but there's so many little uh tidbits and facts in here but they are also so well woven into like the natural arc of a story where like oh we have a reason to show off this special kind of fox trap or this mm -hmm. other special kind of fox trap and then, you know, here's a gag where Shiraishi gets caught in it or something, yep. and that's funny. 
Yeah, it's it's super good. So um, this, I'm really excited, like I said, to have you on because I, I listened to you do, uh, I think, the Danganronpa episode of Shinanime Pulp, and I was like, holy shit, like, she just, she just has a way of talking, she knows her shit, and I really, really want Gwen on, so I'm ecstatic about this. So, um, and I'm really excited because you are doing my personal, I believe, favorite episode of um, this season, and I'll go into a minute why I think it's so great, but um, I'll just say that like um, <clears throat> the, the kind of the, the, the tropes of the anime titles, like struggle, Goku's quest for vengeance, a fight amongst the gods, like those are not as common anymore in anime titles. They usually get like they they kind of caught up with like I think um, you know Western titles, and it's like one word or maybe just like you know the, the duality of man or whatever. This one has the best opening title. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from another podcaster who does anime I adore. <clears throat> the title of this episode is "Everybody Get Together." It's the Murder Hotel. Yeah. Oh, I love two sentence episode titles. They're the best. They're the best. I'm pissed off that some, you know, somewhere in Japan, some producer doing an anime was like, you know, the West is making fun of us. We should have normal titles. Yeah. I'm like, no, we should have stolen from them. You know what I mean? Conspiracy! Fox <laughs> Mulder up against the cigarette smoking man. Whatever. Yeah, heaven or hell. Don Draper's new... What does he do in that show? <laughs> He, um, he's an advertising, ex he's mad, okay. I think that's, <laughs> he's, a, he's mad a mad man. man. <laughs> yeah. But yes, this is, this is definitely my favorite uh, chunk of chapters that I read in the manga, and I think it's, it works the best as an episode in the anime, although I do think there are some downgrades in the adaptation, but... It's so good in the I'm manga. shocked they covered so much, honestly, because if you look at the plot, it's a lot going on. It's the introduction of Iyanago, who does become, you know, kind of a a set character. It is, you know, um, just Ushiyama being like, I don't know, He's he became one of my favorite characters. And if you showed me a picture of him, you know, and was like, yo, Emma, this is going to be your favorite character, I'd be like, no, like, who is this guy? But I, I don't know, like, I... I <laughs> I think Ushiyama is fantastic. So we get that. Um, we get a very kind of crazy, like, Benny Hill-esque antic towards the end. Like, there's a yeah. lot going on. And I'm kind of shocked they pulled it all off in, like, um, about 30 This, minutes. Yeah, this is, I think, one of the best examples. Although it's also, uh, it comes up later in the show. I think slightly later than the anime. Actually, later in the manga than the anime actually covers. Like, the the next arc right after the last episode of the anime is perfect for setting mm -hmm. up these situations with so many pieces in them and then they just all crumble apart and in this one it like literally crumbles uh yeah it does um so Naga in general like i i think she's great and me and Diana mentioned on a previous episode, we didn't want to go into details about Edo Guy, but we just kind of mentioned he's based on a famous serial killer. And um, this is just one of those things Toronoda loves to do because um, Ianaga is inspired by another famous serial killer. She's inspired by um, Henry Howard Holmes. And I just want to know if you like knew um, about this guy before. Um, you know, I feel like I've off. heard the name, but I have no idea. No. All right, this 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 guy's a fucking trip. So, um, like I said, he's just he, he's one of those people, you know, like 
you ever meet those like girls and they got a lot of tattoos and they just know like a little too much about serial killers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's one of those guys, and um, I I looked up a little bit because I wanted to like write about him because I hate I hate pausing like not literally pausing but just like having to like like look up info about people on a podcast mm. and be like hold on. I do on. that all the time. Click, 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 click. I know. You, I love editing. Um. So Henry Tyrod Holmes was like he was in general he was a con artist like even before he started his murder spree um, according to what I read his big con was he would steal cadavers from the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery he would mutilate them then claim the bodies were victims of accidents to collect insurance money whoa yeah so he's he's already like kind of a real skeezy motherfucker and then he relocates to Chicago and he sets up this hotel he has it built and like he keeps having contractors on and then firing them and then rehiring different contractors and the reason is because he's having them you know do things that are a little um red flags he makes sure that the rooms are soundproof he puts up stairwells that don't go anywhere he puts in revolving doors <laughs> and uh he basically does like what you said with Ianaga he just basically would gas his victims and then put them into Ianaga has a dungeon. I think this guy did it like on one of the upper floors, but he'd kill them. And then, you know, just to, just to keep up with proof that capitalism is evil, he would dissect the victims' bodies and then sell their bones to medical schools. Ooh. Who, yeah. who would? So yeah. what medical school is like, okay, we need to acquire a human femur. Well, I know a, a guy who has some. Like, <laughs> don't know and like i said this is going on um i want to say it's kind of actually probably this was all probably going on around like the time golden kamui's going down let me um yeah this is going around like towards the the end of uh the 19th century so i don't know i think this is before that time and age where you could just be like i'd like to donate my body to science and maybe they were just turning a blind eye they were like oh he's probably a grave robber but you know like, who isn't in this economy um, so I, I remember I've listened to a, mm -hmm. a podcast, it's called The Dollop. Um, it's like American history. And one of them was like the origin of practicing on cadavers in medical schools. And they were literally grave robbing at the, when they first started. Cause there was no, they couldn't get the public to agree to have people donate their bodies to science. So they had to just go and like take the freshly dead themselves and this is at, like, you know, Harvard and Brown. Yeah. Did, did you ever see Deadwood when that was going on? No, I didn't. I heard it's so good. It's, it's super good. You should watch it. Come back on the show. We'll do a Deadwood podcast <laughs> on Pod Save Anime, the anime podcast where we don't talk about anime. Um, but one of the characters is, um, you know, it, it, it takes place in kind of the, the frontier. So, of course, there's the doctor. You know, there's always the doctor. The doctor is played by um, um, Brad Dorf, who is one of my favorite actors. Like, I, I adore him. And what you learn about him is, um, oh man, it's been a long time since I watched Deadwood, just that it's good. So I don't remember if it's implied or it's kind of stated, but basically he's kind of out there in the lawless like town of Deadwood because he was digging up cadavers to, you know, study them. And everyone was sort of like, oh, get the fuck out of town, you weirdo. So he ended up in like, you know, rural Deadwood. <laughs> So this was a real thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, his, his murdering reign came to an end. He 
I think officially was charged with killing 20 people, but rumors are that he might have killed up to 200. No one knows. But he was eventually busted by the Pinkertons and executed. Wow. And this is the best part about this guy. Um, According to what I read, his last request was to be buried in concrete so no one could dissect him as he had dissected his victims. (laughs) So he was paranoid about it. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, he just... uh, yeah, but like I said, now he belongs in way too many edgy books owned by weird edgy girls with like one too many Betty ta- Petty Page tattoos who are probably really into like zombies, but like if the Disney princess were zombies yeah. and got a lot of books about serial killers. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I love the way that the manga in- incorporates uh, like real historical figures into the story. Sometimes they are like literally historic, like the same people like i'm pretty sure henry or not henry ford um is it jonathan ford who's the guy who started ford motor company yeah that's henry ford that's but henry yeah ford? there's okay. a henry ford person there's um my favorite is further into the manga you meet someone who's basically um bronson as in uh, that crazy guy who was like known for like beating up people in jails like um there's an homage to bonnie and clyde like he loves doing it, but it's it's great because it reminds me of um when I was a kid I'd watch MST3K and I liked the show I was like this is funny but I rewatch it and every like you know year or two I'd get more references that I hadn't gotten earlier just because they were movies and you know movies I hadn't seen and literature and political events I wasn't familiar with and you know it's awesome now as an adult to watch MST3K and like get so many more of these jokes, you know? Yeah. It's the same with Golden Kamui. I'm like, I history. The historical figures being included in a fictional story is very like Assassin's Creed almost. Mm. Those are the best parts of those games are when like, oh, I'm hanging out with Leonardo da Vinci or pretty sure Karl Marx is in one of those games. He like gives you side quests. Yeah. It's funny. Side quest sees the means of production. Bring it back to Karl yeah. Marx. Uh huh. He wants it. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, Inaga's uh, like I said, based on based on an actual person, and um. What's interesting about Ianaga is, of course, you know, she shows up and she's this you know beautiful woman and she's clad in you know Victorian attire and both. You know, Shiraichi, who's a horny motherfucker, and um, Ushiyama, who's just another horny monster. Who's a horny motherfucker. Oh, no, he is... um... Every time he is on screen, I get amazed. I feel like his horniness, like, just increases at every chapter he is revealed in. Like you said, I was surprised that I ended up liking him so much in this chapter, because his previous interactions are, like... He's chasing after Shiraishi and stuff, and, like, the, um, Toshizo, uh, mentioning, like, oh, we have to send him to a brothel every couple of weeks, otherwise he'll just, like, start raping women on the street. Yeah, it's like which that, and then even as interesting... Not exactly endearing. No, and then there's that, and even, like, when he's, like I said, you don't see him do anything, you know, too bad, but then the, literally the first scene you see him, and he's, like, having sex with a prostitute, you know, and they bust him, and he's like, you sold me out, and, you know, and she's like, stop it, you know? So, yeah, he, yeah so I'm like, who is, you know, and I, and I will admit that, um, I was just like, oh, this guy keeps showing up. And yeah, I was just sort of like, he's just a horny monster, you know, when it's yeah. one of those. All of this it... is redeemed by him licking Shiraishi's nipple. <laughs> um, he does a lot of really, uh, he does um, a lot of shockingly, like I said, he kind of 
I don't know if I'd call it a redemption arc, but he starts to do things where you realize, I don't, I don't even say realize he's an okay guy. I'll just say like what he does. He, he shows up, he buys Sugimoto and everyone's beers. He lectures, um, you know, 12 year old Sherpa <laughs> yeah. about, you know, what to look for in a future lover. And it's a scene where I think in any other context could have been so creepy. And because <laughs> the show like is like basically refusing to sexualize a Sherpa at all. Thank God. Like it's funny, which blows my mind. Cause I think any other scene like that, it could have been just so wrong. Yeah. And you get the perfect Sugimoto. I was in the pool line. Oh, I, I, here's the thing about her, which is, um, a Sherpa is written very much like a 12 year old and it's that perfect balance where she is capable, you know, she's a survivor. She grew up in Ainu culture, but sometimes she is very much a kid. And the one thing, of course, is her ongoing joke that everything brown is poop. <laughs> so curry is poop and miso is poop. But then that scene and he's like, oh, when you become older, you'll choose a man based on his penis. And her response is the most juvenile. She's like, I saw penis. Penis once it was <laughs> little. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ushiyama definitely like if not becoming a good guy, he becomes a much more entertaining character throughout this little arc. Well, here is one of the reveals which I thought was interesting and i just you know disclaimer like you know i'm like a white cis woman you know but of course the big reveal about ianaga is that she's she's a trans woman and when she was a prisoner at you know she was male passing and so the big reveal is supposed to be like you know she's the one she was that crazy doctor and ushiyama doesn't care and you can say what you want, I think, about um, Ianaga kind of playing into those those kind of Buffalo Bill tropes, you know, and everything. But um, there's no trans panic. Like, Ushiyama completely does not care. <laughs> yeah. He loves that's her and true. he wants her. None of the characters are seem to be disturbed by Ianaga for any reason other than the fact that she's uh, killing people and eating their body parts. Yeah. Which I think it's it's strange. You know, I know anime has to cut things for time and stuff you have to fill the perfect 24 minute block but um i think it's crazy that they omit so much of the opening to this little episode because i i read the manga before i watched the episode of this but i feel like if i hadn't i would have been much more confused as to what ianaga was actually doing yeah because cause for people who haven't read the manga um the beginning is essentially kind of what you see the 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 poor you know woman in the hotel wakes up her her husband's corpse is next to her she starts screaming and Ianaga you know walks forward and Ianaga's completely naked so obviously you know it's it's you know that secret's kind of revealed right there you know um but also like you get the scene of the the couple arriving at the hotel and talking with Ianaga and Ianaga says oh madam you have a lovely voice uh mine is is so deep and manly as you can see and then uh, that whole scene happens, and then when Ujiyama arrives, he says, oh, Ianaga, you have a lovely voice. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that proof that what she's doing actually works makes it, I think, a lot more compelling. It is, because her her whole thing, you know, is she just wants, you know, and I think she says that to Ujiyama, she's like, you know, you just want to be, like, wonderful and beautiful. And clearly it's like working so you can argue some moral qualms of you know killing people and eating parts of them to get you know what you want but you know she's not a complete crazy person it's it's working yeah she i mean so she's very like uh 
Hush from Batman, almost. Except instead of using her transformative ability to to commit crimes, she just, like, she wants to become the perfect human. And her idea of the perfect human is just, like, a pretty lady. I kind of appreciate that, though, you know? like Yeah. I want to know what she would have looked like if she ate Ushiyama's arms. Oh, can you, all right. Would she just be beefed out? I, I want that. I want, like, beautifully Inaga, and she has that, like, lovely face and that, like, you know, figure, and she has her little bustle dress, but the sleeves have been just ripped off. <laughs> yeah, and she's just shredded. No, it's just she's shredded, definitely. Like... <laughs> No, um, like I said, I, I, I think Yanag is great, but that's one of those things. I always go back to this when we talk about Golden Kamui. I'm like, there are these characters, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't like them. You shouldn't like a lady who's a serial killer, you know, who's literally, like, killing and eating people to, you know, further her, her beauty and her youth, you know? Um, but she's, she's great. <laughs> yeah, and when it, so I, um... This episode in particular had some people who were not fond of Ienaga's portrayal, and that actually like sparked a huge controversy on the ANN forums that spiraled into some other wide-sweeping decisions. Um, but I, I'm a fan of Ienaga. I think you know I, I, I hesitate to use the word important, but I like to see trans villains just as much as I like to see trans heroine characters, and. I think Golden Kamui uh, does a really good job, especially, like, again, in the near future of the manga, past this arc, um, showing, like, LGBT characters and having that be uh, a part of their identity, but not, like, not feel token. No, and I agree, and um, I I was mentioning this because, uh, what was it, Um, uh, One Punch Man is coming back, you know? And I I love One Punch Man. It's a great anime. If you haven't seen One Punch Man, go watch it. But um, there is a character. Um, their name is Puri Puri Prisoner, and Puri Puri Prisoner is um a gay man, which should be fine, except for the fact that Puri Puri Prisoner, um, I'm not exaggerating. His superpower is basically he was sent to jail for sexually assaulting, in, in his own words, beautiful young men, and then he escapes. Yeah. And I'm not... Which, at that point, it yeah. becomes hard to like him. And it's like, I... And I'm like, okay, I'm fine that, like, he was in jail. I'm fine that he's a gay man. But, like, you know, they really got to change it in the dub. So he was sent to jail for tax evasion or some shit, you know? But this is supposed to be, like, a joke. We're supposed to, like, laugh. Like, oh, it's so funny that the gay men can't keep their hands to themselves. And they also pulled this shit in um, Tiger and Bunny, which is a bit like um, One Punch Man and My Hero Academia. The, like, oh, here's kind of, you know, our anime take on, you know, Western superheroes. But I'll say, like, I'm not, I didn't like watch all of Tiger and Bunny, so, you know, I'm paraphrasing it. But there was another, it's, it's a gay character, and they just can't keep their hands to themselves. You know, those gay men. And. Yeah, that is in Gurren Lagan, too. Gurren Lagan has it also? Yeah, there's a character, Liron, who I, I don't think his is like 
way out of bounds, but he just, you know, he kind of wiggles his arms at people a lot. They love that, and it's like one of those really weird tropes in which, and, it, and it's so weird because I think, um, you're probably with me here, like, I know a lot of people from, you know, the L, the, the LG, um, you know, BT community, and anime really kind of made them feel comfortable with themselves, and they watch things like, you know, Sailor Moon, and there's there's Neptune Uranus, and they watch, you know, Utena, which is all about discovering your sexuality, you know, and they're like, this is great, and it gave me the courage to kind of you know understand who I was and come out and be comfortable you know and then you see this this terrible trope of this really flamboyant man he might be wearing makeup maybe he's in a dress but it's still very like uh huh man he he looks weird and, and he's, he's always sexually harassing me. yeah and it's like this is awkward this is awkward i think for so many people who were like i watched you know sailor moon and understood like you know as a woman i could have a loving filling relationship with another woman and and then you're watching one punch man <laughs> like, watching Pui Pui prisoner <laughs> but yeah i definitely like the way golden Kamui handles its characters in general it does, it does. And like like you're saying, like there's I feel any lesser show would have been really I wanna say we're saying gross because this character is a serial killer cannibal, but they would have been really gross if Ianaga. You know what I mean? Ianaga wouldn't have you know Ianaga would have been that same same gag, looked very masculine, not kept her hands to herself, you know. And like you said, no one is upset or repulsed that Ianaga, you know, is a trans woman, everyone's upset and repulsed because Yanaga is a serial killer. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to go into some things like um, the the Crunchyroll subtitles and I believe the Viz manga for this chapter, they use female pronouns for Yanaga. And I know there are some like fan fanlations of Golden Kamui that don't use female pronouns. And there are some other like trans or trans-coded characters in properties that I like that are Japanese where in the translation they use male pronouns sometimes for a trans woman. I, and... I saw that and I feel quote me if I'm wrong because I, I when I've been taking notes I've been rewatching the dub. And in the dub, um no, they always use female pronouns. But I feel in the sub like she is misgendered and they refer to her as he. Um I in the subs I watched on Crunchyroll they use she exclusively, except sometimes they talk about remember that old doctor guy which right you know right. that's honestly very hard to avoid when you're talking yeah. about trans people but um i think that always interests me because they really they don't use pronouns at all in japanese they have them they have uh kare and kanojo which also get used as like boyfriend and girlfriend but they you know the way their language works is mostly free of pronouns so it's always uh it it's very much showing your hand the way that the translator puts in pronouns because it is the translator doing that. It's not them just like literally translating whatever the whatever the original work was. It's definitely. Are are you watching Banana Fish? Speaking of, I'm not. I hear that it's so well. I hear that the manga is so good. I don't know anything about well, that. Well, <laughs> um, uh, just a little bit of backstory. Banana Fish is, um. Kind of a, um, um, a, I'll, I'll simply put it, it's a, a thriller with BL, you know, boy love elements. It takes place in New York City, and it's about this uh, young man who's kind of the head of, like, a gang in New York City, and him along with this um, 
photographer assistant from Japan who he befriends are starting to like go on this quest to kind of uncover this like crazy drug and it's like BL based and um, this was something like I said I, I don't speak Japanese fluently so I can't say yay or nay but um, what's been brought up on Twitter a lot is I'll go back a bit. So I mentioned it's a BL. Um, none of the BL has happened yet. What has happened is this really, really um, kind of uncomfortable trope in which the main beautiful boy male character is, le you learn he's a survivor of like multiple um, assaults and abuses from, you know, just gross, horny old men, you know. And there's a couple times in the subtitles where he's saying something and he's describing one of the, him or another character is describing like one of these, you know, gross old men and they refer to them as the F word and I don't mean fuck. And one of the big things people are saying is they're like, yo, like in the Japanese, they don't use the, the Japanese equivalent of that word or that slur. So this is something the translator is like putting in and it feels... Yeah incredibly like odd and it kind of goes back to kind of what we're saying which is like you know you you can be a character who you know can be bad and incidentally is also you know like I said queer but it's really weird to have this character be called that because the thing is like the problem is that they are not queer the problem is that they are you know um, predators mm. it that's like such an easy sign of a bad translation is like it, it always makes me think of like Dragon Ball Z when people have Vegeta saying like you fucking bastard. Yes. <laughs> I love that shit because it'd be like, you know, like, I mean, you know, you speak like a little Japanese. So it'd be like Vegeta, like telling like, you know, Gohan, he's like, I killed your daddy. I'm going to kill you next. Yeah. And little Gohan's going Kisama, which is just basically like kind of a. Yeah you when I'm angry. Not the nicest way to say you in Japanese. Um, and the subtitles are like, you, you fucking piece of shit, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> yeah, I love... It happens, I feel more with Dragon Ball Z than anything else, because people want Dragon Ball Z to be, Z to be so edgy. But, yeah, it, it, it pops up in all sorts of anime translations, and it's always... It, it's funny when it's not, like, hurtful. No, definitely, but it goes into, like, um... Are you familiar with the controversy about like Funimation and their translations? Um, I've I know there is controversy. I remember in like the Danganronpa three anime, they had Junko talking about Gamergate. Oh, I miss that. Now I'm glad I didn't listen to that to watch the anime. <laughs> but I was also biased because um, I'm sure you know this. Um, Chris Chris Tergliaferra, who was a guest in episode three, didn't get uh, casted as uh, to come back as Gundam Tanaka for the anime. They brought someone else on. Who um, I've seen this voice actor on Twitter. He seems like a very nice, very like respectful, well-meaning individual. But I was like, no, this <laughs> is not Chris. I don't want to listen. Uh, Chris is really good as Gundam. He's fantastic. He's a. Uh... He's he's great. He's great. Like I said, he should. Uh, once this is all up, like I had him on episode episode three, and he's he's just a, he's a delight. Except he has he has problematic faves, as I learned. <laughs> but um, no, the thing I remember from Funimation is um, shows that are kind of like I said, it's not queer queer coded. So I believe it was uh, the big ones people brought in were Kobayashi Dragon Maid and Yuri on Ice. 
and dialogue that had kind of been like, you know, oh, that was it. I think Kobayashi was talking to Toru, you know, her, her dragon, her dragon mate who was like, has a huge crush on her. And she says to Toru, she's like, she's like, I'm not really into dragons. And for some reason, like in the dub, she goes, I'm not into girls. It was weird. And then Yuri on Ice, which is a show about two men who fall in love with each other, like, they'd make, like I said, going back, Japan doesn't really have pronouns too much, but they just decided in the dub to do that. So there's some scene, I think, of, um, you know, Victor, the, 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 the Russian coach who falls in love with Yuri, the Japanese skater, and he's like, you know, he's like, tell me about, I don't know, I'm giving him, I don't know I'm giving him a German accent, he's Russian, I'm trying, all oh, no, Russian, he's like, he's like, da, Yuri, tell me about the Russian girlfriend you loved, I tell you about the girlfriend I had, or something. <laughs> Or something. So they, they do that, and it's like I said, it goes back to kind of. Um, yeah. I I find personally for all the the weird the weird Nazis and the the angry Moe avatar icons telling me to kill myself, you know, or whatever. That um, a lot of friends I've personally made in the anime community are, like I said, you know, are queer, you know. And it's it feels like a lot of anime mm-hmm. is kind of like I said, kind of this cool welcoming kind of place you know for them to kind of have learned and discovered that i mean like i said angry angry moe avatars aside and it it feels odd that there are these shows in you Uh know year of our lord 2018 that still are intentionally being like well well, clearly the two characters in yuri on ice had girlfriends so we're just gonna make sure that's in the translation yeah listen these guys are close friends they're cousins yeah, these these girls are gal pals. I I know that's like the go-to joke, like they're cousins. Have you ever actually like seen the collection, like the actual like dubs where they say that? Mm-hmm. I I had a friend ages ago who was doing a panel at a con, and like he was just like, "Well, I gotta you know kill time before my panel starts." Here's ridiculous stuff, and he put together a compilation of every time Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune call each other cousins. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, cousin, no! If you ever want to see your cousin again, no! <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Translation is weird. Time. No, they definitely hard. Anyway, going back to Golden Kamui. <laughs> uh, so, Ianaga licks a Serpa's eyeball. Yes. Um, I thought it was weird that they didn't... They didn't. Fe- I didn't feel like they colored a Serpa's eyes correctly in this show. Like, at all. They always talk about how there's just a little bit of green in there, and you know the that, gray is, blue. that is a big plot point. But they are straight up just blue in the anime. Maybe it's gonna be like um, I don't know if like you're familiar, super familiar with Harry Potter, but I believe mm-hmm. like his eyes were supposed to be green. I was like, they're your mother's eyes, Harry, oh. and they like CGI'd them in. I think the very first movie, and then they were like, oh fuck it, no one cares. Yeah, that looks weird. Yeah. But who knows, though? I mean, maybe when this comes out on Blu-ray, they're going to, like, revamp the whole thing. Be like, hey! That would be unchanged, except they added a Serpa's green eyes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, we get we get the, the Dick Sensei name, which, like I said, I, this, this was the episode that sealed me on Ushiyama, and now he's just Dick Sensei. And that's, I mean, you probably guess this, but like, yeah, the the rest of the manga, like, this is what a Sherpa calls him. He's Dick Sensei. Mm-hmm. 
Because, I mean, that's a first impression on a child, is that he taught me about penises. He does. And like I said, I keep going back. I keep going back about this. Like, I'm, I am shocked at, like, how non-creepy people are of a Sherpa. Like, because mm-hmm. you could see her being written as just a much, much, much more, like, yeah, problematic character. You know what I mean? Yeah, gross. I think uh, wearing all those layers of, like, uh, oak yeah wood woven clothing definitely helps no that, that that helps it helps that she's not like overly well i don't know i uh, did you watch made in abyss uh no i haven't i hear i hear so many things about it of there is a lot one way or another. I, I, I will say this it is a very problematic show there's a reason i didn't want make a bunch of people watch it with me and then come on a podcast <laughs> Um, but I, uh, there was some, there was some weeb who had a YouTube video and he was trying to justify that like, um, the main protagonist wasn't moified because she was dressed very practically and she had like a little like, you know, non-developed body, which in my head kind of made it creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird to you know? focus on. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, nah, you can, I mean, half the point of Moe, right? Is like, they're like children, you know, mm-hmm. children to be. Yeah. I hear that that show has a lot of, like, boys in their tidy whities It is stuff. weird because uh, the basic the basic plot, come come to my Maiden Abyss podcast later on, um, is that there's, like I said, a little girl and she meets a little robot boy and they, they, they form a bond and it's basically what I'd call, like, puppy love. They both kind of become very close to one another and it should, in theory, be in kind of a very, like I said, very just, you know, young... Well, not young, but, you know, just as children, like, finding affection in each other before they're old enough to kind of want to move forward. But there keeps yeah. being this ongoing joke in which, despite being, like, a robot, um, the main character has a penis. And there are all hmm. these constant jokes about him getting erect when the main little girl is, like, in states of undress. So they're, hmm. like, swimming, you know, and they're children, so they're skinny dipping, and it's fine. And he gets a boner, and she's like, oh, what happened to your penis? I'm like, no one needs this. <laughs> I just want little kids facing, like, peril as they go deeper and deeper into an unknown void in which returning will lead into, like, the mutilation of their bodies and utter death. I don't I don't need 12-year-old robot children getting penises. Like, oh, uh, that's weird. And I love Made in Abyss, but oh yeah, like I said, that is the a problematic show, definitely. I get I get to ask you kind of my my go to questions here because well we should finish up the summary I guess. So um, yeah, so so Ianaga is revealed to be one of the former prisoners, and we get this almost Benny Hill esque scene of them all running around. Yeah, Benny Hill, and it works. It literally is like the Scooby Doo. A scene where they're just yeah. coming out of doors because there's so many secret passages for Ianaga to be going through, and it's great. I it's just this, like yeah. For me, this is the this is the part where I'm where there's the biggest divide between the quality of the manga and the anime for this part because the anime is like very little music, very flat shots of everything happening, and it's just like oh yeah. Uh, What's his name? Oh no! Who's Professor Professor Penis? Uh, Dick Sensei. Like I said, I the, the highlight of yeah. this doing these has just been people who didn't watch Golden Kamui beforehand and just tell me their their names for what they think everyone's characters should be. Yeah. So um, Dick Sensei just you know he busts through four walls or something. In the manga, <laughs> it is 
I, I have to assume it's deliberately. It's so hard to tell what's going on beyond like the critical scenes. Like you see, you know, Shiraishi accidentally throwing his grenades into the fire and stuff. And you see Ienaga running around. But all of Dick Sensei's movement is, it's just like, oh, here he is, here he is, here he is again. Like he is just walking through walls in his uh, horny rage. That, that goes with things, like I said, by this point, I'd be like, the anime is just, it's found its foot, it's well done. But like, nothing compares to that scene of just that, just this random guy in his room. And Ian, oh, sorry. <laughs> and Ushiyama just slamming Sukimoto through the wall. Yeah. And that was an, that's another thing. I don't mean to rag on the anime. It's a fine adaptation. When Ushiyama and uh, Sugimoto first meet, they do the judo grab on each other, which is an awesome part. And there's this amazing CGI flame effect around their bodies. And I was honestly really hoping that that would show up again when they actually started grappling with each other. But Have you didn't. ever done judo or like um, any type of like grappling skill? Um, when I was seven, I took kung fu and I learned to flip somebody over my shoulder, and uh, I got a yellow belt and I went out on top. Man, I I'm always torn. I'm always like, maybe I should try it out because um, you don't want to end up a judo. I, I briefly tur- turns out you cannot join a gym, save money, and pay off your credit card. No, no so I had to drop one of those. <laughs> But for a while, um, after I moved to New York, I got back into kickboxing just because I hadn't done it in a long time. And I'm like, this is fun. But the gym also offered, um, not judo, I want to say, um, what is it, jiu-jitsu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was offering jiu-jitsu. And I was like, that just seems kind of fun. You know, just like grabbing someone and trying to like wiggle away and not in a sexual way just sort of in a battle of just like pure like where your strength is being distributed kind of way yeah the the grappling is uh usually a lot more interesting than just like punches and kicks not that those aren't cool and sugimoto does deliver an excellent like spinning sidekick when he (laughs) sees ianaga creeping over a sherpa which is funny because one of the things about Golden Kamui is it's very unchoreographed. Um, and there's some manga where um, even if the fights themselves are not, like, very, like, strategic or, like, oh, he used this technique, do that technique. Just, you know, the artist is, the manga artist is doing some research so characters kind of move and pose based on actual martial arts. Yeah. And there's so little of this in Golden Kamui. It's just people throwing punches at each other. It's just a mean, nasty brawl every battle. That's, it's, it's crazy how, uh, it's almost like he goes back and forth. Sometimes there will be a fight where he demonstrates this amazing physicality of, like, from one move into the other. Like, honestly, him, Sugimoto and Ushiyama throwing each other is really well done in that respect. But there are so many other panels of fight scenes where it's just like, oh, here's Sugimoto stabbing a guy. Here's Sugimoto punching another guy in the face. And we'll just let your brain string these panels together on how he's actually moving. I just, oh, I'm trying to imagine, like, I said, like, how this guy fights. And uh, it's just complete brawling, which which I love because, just because of, like, my own, like, you know, background when I was doing the boxing is, um, you know, it's not about, like, sweeps and this and this. It's about just you get in and you go very hard and you go very fast. You know, at least that's how I was mm-hmm. taught. And if you do this good enough, the other person you will either wear down or you're just going to get lucky and get like a shot in. 
there's not a ton of like crazy counters or spins, you know. Um, and when I got back into kickboxing, actually, like, you know, one of the techniques was just basically like sometimes you just got to eat a kick, you know. And it was just like taking all your weight and just putting it like right into your femur and like basically just absorbing a kick. And then because you're prepared for it, like pulling back and just like, you know, going to town on like the other person. Uh, one, of the, one of the coolest lines in this episode is very early on when when they're judo grabbing each other and Sugimoto is like, it's like this guy's center of gravity is yes. below the floor. Like that's such a good descriptor of Ushiyama's size and his ability he's, in he's, judo. Like I said, he's fantastic. And, but that always goes back to golden Kamui because if you were like, yo Emma, like this character is a, a, a transgender, you know, serial killer. And this guy might be a rapist. Um, we're trying to make sure he hasn't done that yet. Um, and he has, you know, a piece of uh, a piece of plaster stuck to his head permanently. You know, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But um, everyone in the show is great. Even Okata, who is total and terrible garbage. Like, yeah. Everyone in the show, I love. Mm-hmm. At, at this at this point in the manga, Ogasa hasn't had his time to shine, but he gets that in like the very next arc. Oh, he's yeah. so good. He's he's good, but I mean, I had a, I had my previous guest, I had Diana on to talk about him, and just like, oh, like you know, because here's the thing: at this point, like everyone who's been watching this, if you're just watching the anime, you're like, all right, this, this guy's bad news. He's just, <laughs> he's scum. He's very into that 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 trope of like snipers or sociopaths, you know. Uh-huh. And he's terrible. He anything he has done in this like season is pale compared to what he will do um you kind of keep hoping like maybe we'll learn about his past and he'll become sympathetic no it just makes us like realize even more he's just a rotten human being and i don't hate this character he's he's fantastic he comes on screen i'm like yeah because i just want to see what awful thing he's gonna do next so yeah all of the characters are you know lovable in their own way but the the mangaka does this thing that is almost a little deterministic where you can tell the like oh this guy's a bad guy but he's kind of charming like you know um ushiyama uh toshizo and uh tanagaki when he's a uh when he's a villain for a couple chapters like they are charming and you can tell that from looking at them but then you have people like Ogata and the twins and like that dude with the horse face in the the Yojimbo right, right. arc. Oh my god, I know who you're talking about. Oh my god. <laughs> Going back to Berserk, he looks like that rape horse. Yes, he looks exactly like that horse. <laughs> he looks like the horse that gets possessed by a demon and try I mean, speaking mm-hmm. of Berserk, like I sound like I'm laughing at the I'm, I'm not exaggerating like I think that's why I actually stopped reading Berserk because I was like, "Oh, look, a scary monster! I wonder who they're gonna rape." Yeah. Like, wonder it got, what like, it's tiring. <laughs> wonder which body part is gonna be shaped like predominantly. Yes. No. Oh my god. Um, no. No. That I know what you're talking about. And yeah, that guy has the has the, has yeah. the exact same face as the the rape horse from Berserk. But people like Ogata, it's like he's never gonna be normal because just like look at those scars on his face it's so creep look at the way that he cuts his ha- his beard it's like he's a creep having a normal one yeah he's <laughs> he's extremely normal perfectly normal mm-hmm. he's just trying to have a chill day 
He's trying to have a chill day. He's trying yeah. to he's trying to have a normal one and just. Oh, and of course, the uh, best example is the, the the guy who took the shrapnel in the head. Uh, Tsushima. Oh, Surumi. Surumi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, Surumi is definitely the most perfectly normal character in the mm-hmm. entire show. Just a chilled out guy enjoys his dango. <laughs> I think it's because Surumi's face is always just in a state of like, you know those like old cartoon villains from the 80s and they were always like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean he's... And Surumi like is not, you know, I mean he, he talks, he can put sentences together, he's not mm-hmm. like villain monologuing, you learn Surumi's motives and is crazy as they might be they're understandable but his expression always looks like he's doing that like cackle yeah i mean especially when he opens his mouth or shows his teeth which he he likes to do um he really honestly i mean maybe he likes having that effect but he should go in and get something done with his eyebrows or get some eyebrows because he kind of lets his cap define it. No, Noda loves doing eyebrows. Like, that's kind of the thing, which is, like, he's a good artist, but, like, you know, anyone else, you just kind of eventually ran out of, like, you know, good, simple mm-hmm. faces to draw. And he, like, kind of like how um, um, Oda from One Piece, like, can only draw, like, one woman, so he, like, keeps giving him, like, dumber yeah. and dumber hairstyles, you know? Um, Noda can draw more than one woman. Like, you look at Ianaga versus, you know, Asherpa versus mm-hmm. Inkermat. Like, you know, they all look completely different. So you can at least draw three <laughs> women. That's great. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, but uh, Noda, you can tell, especially as the series progresses, he's like, oh, fuck, like, what do I do? And he keeps giving the characters yeah. different eyebrows. Um, but, yeah, the char- oh, character designs in this are so good. Surumi's so good. The the part where Surumi just opens his jacket to reveal his skin shirt. Yes, the, the buffalo so villain. So amazing. Like, and it's such a good scene because when you first meet Surumi, he's just like, I don't know, in my head I always want to give I always want to give Surumi like a really bad kind of like Paul Lin voice or something. <laughs> it's like, my face was blown off by a rocket launcher. Whatever yeah. the hell. You know, and he says that, and he bites some guy's finger off, and you're like, okay, this guy's, like, pretty unstable. And then, yeah, he, you know, tortures Sugimoto, and you're like, all right, like, clearly this guy is, like, bad news. And then that scene where he pulls off the jacket, and you're just like, oh. Like, it's like galaxy brain. He's just (laughs) like, like, hey, this is pretty comfortable, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, Surumi just continues to get crazier and crazier. And I've mentioned the previous guests on my show. It makes me laugh so hard because um, Golden Kamui is a show that draws very attractive men. And these men are like handsome and they're they're scarred and they're just all beefy bara dudes. Like they're all really hot. Mm-hmm. And I've met so many girls and they're just like, I want to smash Surumi. Going back to that thing, like girls are such <laughs> serial killers. Like Gross. they don't, they don't want like tortured, you know, Sugimoto, and they don't want like you know gentle, compassionate Tanigaki. They don't want like sweet, dopey Shiraichi. They just they just want to they just want to fucking smash Surumi. Nobody wants Shiraichi. Yeah. <gasps> oh man. Hmm. So yeah. So this is this is an exciting episode talking about serial killers and uh... yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like a whole building explodes yes. in this one. Yeah. Because Shiraishi. 
he just I love Shiraishi. I always say that. He's great and I love that he is um even during his stupid most bumblingness, like he's just like I said, he's they, they say he's useless, which I get because he's not like a soldier, he's not, you know, a hunter. But he is useful in moving the plot forward constantly. Mm-hmm. And if you're a mangaka and you can you can make good creative use out of reusing one art asset all the time, most notably in this case Shiraishi's head, then you're a genius. <laughs> There's there's another amazing part where like I think Shiraishi's lost or missing or something or hurt and someone there's a panel of just like Sugimoto looking all wistful and then that picture of Shiraishi's head is like superimposed over the panel. I love that. I'm sad that the the anime's been a little more um li- like yeah, the anime's yeah. been very stingy about the gag where instead of showing us characters penises it's just Shiraishi's head over them. Which is a shame because it's one of my favorite gags in the manga. So I guess to wrap up here, like I said, Golden Kamui, the anime is good. Definitely found its feet. But holy shit, if you have like the means, you know, please read the manga. You can get it purchased. You can get on, um, you can get it uh, just downloaded. And as Don mentioned on the first episode, you can even go to your library and be like, yo, give me my Golden Kamui. I want my beefy bar mm-hmm. husbandos. And uh, I used to read Shaman King at the library. Oh, I love Shaman King. Holy shit. <laughs> we got to, if, if I keep doing this, you got to come back on and we can talk about Shaman King and Ryu, the bisexual oh, icon of the times. Horo Horo. Oh, that's the, uh, he was literally the other character. I think like, obviously like, <laughs> all right. So like a Sherpa is this wonderful, like well, like well-researched, fully recognized I knew character. And Horror Horror mm-hmm. is just um, like a white girl at Coachella wearing a war bonnet. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. What's he do? Well, he comes from somewhere it's snowy. So he has a snowboard. So he has Ice, ice power Kirby type hair. Yes. His hair is made of ice. Hair is made of ice. Yep, we'll, we'll do this again. We'll talk Shaman King. We'll talk about uh, horror horror. We'll talk about um, both the anime and the manga abruptly ending. And just um, despite the mm, fact that it, yeah. it really should have been a much more like beloved shonen show. Even though it like knocked yes. off Berserk. I, I have Power Friend too. <laughs> My Power Friend does this. What's your Power Friend do? <laughs> well mine makes fires like <laughs> that's nice yeah awesome um gwen thank you so much for coming on this has been a pleasure mm-hmm. so um shout outs promotions what can people check you off they want to they want to hear you chat more about the the leftist weeb shit where can people find you all that good stuff go <laughs> uh you should follow me on twitter at bob Q. uh don't ask me to spell it uh it's a bad twitter at yeah, um, uh, you can listen to my podcast, Shin Anime Pulp. I do that with my friend Ryan. We talk about mostly video game movies, but also video games and sometimes anime. Um, we've done episodes on all of the Danganronpa games, which you, I recommend you play those before you listen to them. We have a great one on the Super Mario Bros. movie. That was, I think, the most fun I've ever had with that show. Um, and it's a, it's a ton of fun. And that's basically all I do. Follow me on Twitter uh, for no reason. 
Yay. Don't do no, it. No, I, I take it. Follow, follow, no, you should follow Gwen on Twitter because if you're like me and you're like, oh, I like, I like Emma because she's like a weeb, but like she thinks we should all have health care and I think that's, that's cool, you know? Mm, um, definitely. Same, same reasons. If I, I personally, like I said, view, view Gwen as a member of what I like to call like the leftist weeb circles and that was the big reason I really <laughs> wanted her on because I was like, I can have Gwen on and she's not going to be like, you know what? You know what? There's too much of political correctness. <laughs> Or, you know what, I think I think we should make it easier for people to buy the health care that they like and be able to rate and yeah. compare options. I need affordable access to health care. <laughs> affordable access to health care. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. No, like I said, this was a pleasure. Um, and as always, you can check me out on Twitter. I'm at Emma Bowers, and I do some other hoobaloo too. But man, just follow me on Twitter. I usually tend to be my most um, talkative there. And uh, that is all. And we will see you guys next week for one final episode of Golden Kamui. So until then, everyone take care, okay? Bye. Bye.